that's here supporting moms. If you'll bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, today we come to you celebrating moms, honoring moms, but also, Lord, as always, we're here for you. Lord, we're here for you. Our heart and our desire is for you. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for moving in this place. I thank you for speaking to us today. And I thank you, Lord, that we hear from heaven. Lord, we love you. We're gracious. We're grateful for you. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Say amen. 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 I want to talk to you about three moms that uh, have pretty incredible stories, and there's something that kind of ties them all together. And whenever, you know, I'm not a mom, in case you didn't know. I'm not a mom, and so uh, these are, this message uh, through the years has, has been a tough one for me, but I always try to find something that, uh, of, that I believe would speak to moms, but would also speak to me and, of course, everyone in attendance, because not just moms attend Mother's Day. There's a lot of people watching online, and, and those um, that are watching might not be a mom. Um, you know, might be of, uh, uh, you know, you might be a male. And so you might, like I said, you might be a female who's, who's not a mom. You might be a teenager or whatever. So I think this will help all of us. I want to talk about the first of the three. It is actually not just one mom, but, but two. And, uh, and that's the book of Ruth. You know, the book of Ruth is pretty incredible. If you read through, it's only four chapters. You can read it in one sitting. Um, it's, it's a pretty easy read, but it's a really, really incredible story. It's a really incredible story. It's pretty fascinating. It starts out with Naomi, who's uh, um, the, the mom, and it's a little bit starts earlier in her life. She's married. She has two sons, or they have two sons, and they go to Moab. And when they go to Moab, her husband dies. So her husband dies in Moab, but her two sons find Moabite women. Now, they're non-Jewish women. They're, they're, they're from Moab. And there was a, um, um, a, a economical reasons why they went there. And now there's, there's not just economical strain. Now she has, um, you know, back in these times when a husband would pass away, it put a lot of strain on the house. Can you say amen? If you're a single mom... Living in today, even with all the government help and everything, you know how difficult it is to be a single mom. Well, now she's got these two sons. They end up marrying. So now there's some support to the house because they have support. They have additional support. So things are starting to look up. They're still living in Moab. But now both of those sons die. So she's lost her husband. Now she's lost her two sons. So it's Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. Everybody say Ruth. And so Ruth and Orpah have, a, have an option here. First of all, Naomi decides, this isn't working for us. I've got no sons. I've got no males in the house. We've got to make a decision. We've got to go back to Bethlehem, go back to Jerusalem. We've got to go back to our home because this isn't, this isn't working. This isn't going to work out. And so on their way back, she, she turns to the daughters, to her daughters-in-law, they're not her daughters, to her two daughters-in-law, and she tells them, hey, guess what, guys, I, I get it, I understand, you, you're not mine, 
You, you came, you, you came, you, you made a decision to stay with me to this point, but you're not mine. And so I understand. I want to encourage you. Listen, go, go back to your homes, go back to your families, find a Moabite man. Uh, you don't have to stay with me. I've got to go. I can't stay here, but no hard feelings, no hard feelings. You can go back to your homes. And so they, they look at each other and they're kind of like, it's decision time, right? I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going with Naomi, who, who's now, we've become a part of her family by marriage, but she's making a decision to leave our hometown. How many of y'all, how many of y'all know sometimes decisions aren't just white and black? Sometimes decisions aren't cut and dry. Sometimes decisions, we want to just, you know, and it's easy if you're an outsider looking in on a decision, you're like, well, just do that or just do this. And you get advice and you go and you ask people, well, what should I do and how should I do this? And, 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 and you go on Facebook and you do a Facebook poll or a Twitter poll or whatever. And you're trying to get all this input and information, but no one can make a decision for you like you can. No one can make a decision. And your decisions that you make, as you'll see, are not just, here's, this is so amazing. I could really probably, I hope I get to the other two women, but, 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 but this, this story blows my mind because when you see what happened to Ruth and what happened because of the decisions she made, it does not just affect you. And for every mom in here, you're wired in a way, created in a way. It amazes me to watch my wife and how she navigates things. Because when we make dinner and she says, okay, time to eat, I go make a plate. I make a plate and then I go sit down. If I need any items to help my dinner situation, I go and get them and then I sit back down. And then I look over beside me and my, the seat that belongs to my wife is still empty. Our kids are all sitting down. They have food in front of them. They have drinks in front of them. They have silverware. They have napkins. They have everything they need. If there's additional items, bread or whatever it is, it's all sitting on the table. The table is prepared. I have my food and her seat is still empty. And without fail, 99% of our meals, I say, babe, are you going to eat? But what's she doing? She's making sure that everybody else has what they need before she eats. Now, once she sits down, though, she wants to eat her meal. But I mean, before that, she wants to make sure everybody has what they need, that everybody's taken care of, that all the kids are taken care of. And so I've be begun to try to re rewire my thinking a little bit and help her with that and help, you know, make a kid's plate or whatever, especially if I cook, I'll, I'll start, you know, we want stuff to cool off early and I'll try to, I'll try to take it out early so it cools off faster for the kids or whatever. That's hard for me to do. It really, it is. I have to like rewire my thinking. It's not natural for me to think that way. But she thinks that way. She, and, and, and women, mothers think that way. It's like an in-tune nature that you have to think about others before yourself, to think about your lineage, to think about your, not just your future, but your children's future. And their, their children's future. And, and, and you think that way. Men think that way, but on a vision level, not a nurture caregiving level. It's different. And so Ruth and Orpah have a decision to make. Do we stay 
or do we go? And so Orpah decides, um, you know what? That's a great decision. Naomi, great idea. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go back home. Um, I, I kind of like these men better. Actually, we don't really know what she, what was her motivating factor. I don't know. It might have been the men. It might have been the money. It might, I don't know. I don't know. But she decided to stay. But Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, actually in the, a couple of verses leading up to but she begins to plead. She begins to plead with Naomi. And Naomi's like, no, just stay. And then she says this in verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. Listen, listen to this decision. Listen not only to the decision she made, but how she made the decision, the mindset that she had, the thought process that went with her. She said, for wherever you go, I go. Wherever you lodge, I lodge. Your people shall be my people, notice this, and your God, my God. So Ruth reorients her preferences and makes a spiritual decision. This wasn't just a natural decision. Orpah made a natural decision. You will have friends in your life who make natural decisions. And she chooses not to go with girlfriend to not go with the other influences in her life. I mean, they were standing right there making the decision together. If you read the chapter, they're embracing each other. She hugs her and tells Orpah, bye. It's not like she didn't know Orpah's decision. She knew the alternative. And yet she made a spiritual decision. Your God shall be my God. Ruth actually told them, go and, and, and in her whole diatribe about going back to Moab, she says, go and serve their gods. Ruth actually said that, meaning the, the Moabite gods that were not the God we serve, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, no, no. And so Ruth says, no, your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. What a decision. Because right after that, though, so she maintains this spiritual decision. She's separated, do you see it, separated from her sister-in-law. She chose she chose harder instead of easier. It would have been easier. She knew the Moabite ways. She knew how to work. I mean, when you go and you read Ruth chapter 2 and 3, I mean, she's having to learn from Naomi, okay, how do I do this? How do I go and gather wheat? How do I go and, and, and work in the fields? How do I do this? She doesn't know the culture. She doesn't know the ways. It would have been much easier, much easier to go and serve the Moabite gods, and be back with her Moabite people. But she got introduced, her family introduced her, her marriage introduced her to a different God, a living God. A God who is going to not just be a part of her life, but be a part of her lineage. Be a part of her children and her children's children. So notice what happened. This is so cool. Ruth was gleaning in the field. She's working. She's working. She's busy. She's make, she didn't go to, to follow Naomi and make that kind of decree, make that kind of decision, and then say, okay, well, I'm just going to lay right here and just let, it all, let life happen to me. She got busy. She made a decision. You know what? While I'm working in the system I've decided to be a part of, God's going to do something for me. God, you know, God can work in what you're doing. God can work in what you're working. Yeah. 
God can work in. He, he's not surprised by the situations you're in. He, he's not surprised by a decision like this that you're faced with. And so notice, uh, uh, she's working. She's fulfilling her natural and spiritual obligations. Then Boaz noticed her. And it's so funny if you read this because it's written in old English and stuff and it's written, but he's like, hey, 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 uh, excuse me, guys. Who's that girl over there? Who's that? Who's that? I'm sorry. Um, I've never seen her before. I've never seen her before. And so he get, she gets Boaz's attention by fulfilling, first of all, if she never would have made the decision, she wouldn't even know who Boaz was. Boaz was not the, the, the youngest one in the flock. As a matter of fact, he was an older man, but he was wealthy. He was sugar daddy. He was. They were young. He actually talks to the younger men and tells them things to do. If you read through the, the, read through the book of Ruth. And, and, uh, but he was wealthy. He was well off. And so she set her eyes on, no, I, I'm not just going to have just a young Jewish man. Listen, if I'm going to do this thing right, and I'm going to make a decision for my family. She, she, she noticed Boaz and Boaz noticed her. Do you hear me today? This happened because your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. And so Boaz makes uh, uh, some, some responses here. Uh, he, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, he says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done. She asked him, what have I done to to get your attention? What have I done to get your grace? What have I done for you to be so nice? Because he had already had had opened up his arms and and kind of welcomed, welcomed her into the family, so to speak. And she's like, what did I do? Notice what he says. It has been reported to me. If you're so concerned about what people are reporting about you, Make sure you're serving God and let their report be one. People are going to talk whether you want them to or not. People are going to run their mouth whether you want them to or not. But I found it interesting that when Boaz got the report on Ruth, it was this report. All that you have done for your mother-in-law. See, word traveled quick when they got in the city. They were like, oh, is this Naomi? Is this the one who left? And now you bring back, who is this? Who is Ruth? Word traveled quick. Oh, so she made a decision to come here? He already knew. He knew what kind of woman this was. Since the death of your husband and how you have left your father, left your mother, left the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord will repay your work. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Pretty powerful statement from Boaz. So what was the end result? I mean, what happened from this? Uh, she makes this decision. She comes, she, she, she works hard. She, she uh, um, injects herself into the, to the culture. Not just the, again, not just a natural decision, but a spiritual decision. She, she meshes all this together, changes her whole life, flips it all upside down, all in the name of your people shall be my people, your God shall be my God. And God saw her, saw what she did, turned Boaz's eyes toward her, had people report what they should have reported so that Boaz knew what to hear. 
showed her how to, how to go in and win Boaz over. Naomi gave her wisdom. She listened to it. She obeyed her. That wasn't even her natural mother. Obeyed her natural mother and listened to this in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And may he be to you a restorer of life and nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons. Now this is them talking to Naomi. They're telling Naomi, may he, may Boaz, be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. I'm sorry, this is talking about their, their, uh, their child, Obed. Because at the end of this, they, she, not, she not only married Boaz, but had a son. And they named him Obed. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. They named him Obed. He was, notice who Obed was. Who was Obed? Obed, who was her son, he became the father of Jesse Jesse became the father of King David. Who, why, I mean, King David, we know his stories, we know what he did, but why is that important? Because out of the lineage of King David came Jesus Christ, our Messiah. One decision. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. I'm going to make a decision to serve God with all of my heart, with all of my might, to get in, to do whatever. What, what do I have to do, Naomi? What do I have to do? Okay, I need to serve God this way. I need to do these kinds of things. She went in and obeyed, and when she did, God blessed her and her lineage. If you're a parent in here, mothers and fathers, and you, and you want to bless your lineage, serve God. Because there's a blessing that follows, it's not just, it's not, everything is not just the, the temporal, the right now. We've got to think about down the line. What happens in the future? What happens to my kids? If Ruth had gone back to Moab, she would have had to settle with some lame, Moabite, no good, nothing. I don't know what kind of word I want to use, a sucker. I don't know. But she would have missed out on Boaz. She would have missed out on Obed. She would have missed out on the lineage of Jesus Christ. She made a decision where she could not see the solution in advance. She made a decision. Sometimes you're not going to be able to see the solution in advance, but when God gives you a direction, you listen to it. When God gives you a direction, you listen to it. Choose God first. And I wrote this down. Don't settle. She didn't settle. She didn't settle for the first Jewish guy that came along. She wanted Boaz. If you're single in here, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't, don't, don't. Listen, I don't care how, how many of your friends are already married. Don't settle. I don't care how long you've got to wait. If you're a male in here, trust me, you can wait. Your hormones will be okay. Wait. Hold it in. Keep, it, keep your pants zipped up. You'll be okay. 
All right? Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle on, on I mean, you're, you're, you, you're not just living in today. What's happening with your kids? What happens with, with how they grow up and, what, and, and their future and who they marry? They're, they're going to see your relationship and base it off of... Now, if you're here today and, and you're thinking, okay, well, 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 I've made decisions and here I am and I didn't start serving God until such and such. God, the Bible tells us that God will restore the time. He'll restore the time. So this is not to beat you up if you're like, oh, well, I don't know. And, and, and I'm, don't throw your life away. Make a decision. I mean, look at what happened to Naomi. I mean, they made a decision to go off to this city. And then, and then, you know, we don't know what all entailed in that first chapter of what happened. But she said, no, I'm going to go back to what I know. When she made that decision, God honored it. Ruth came with her, and look what happened to her family. Naomi's a part of that lineage too. So don't worry about that. Serve God. And then I wrote this down. Make decisions through spiritual eyes. Make decisions through spiritual eyes. The big life decisions that you have, make, make those decisions through spiritual eyes. Hannah, another, another woman, another mother. Hannah, when we first meet Hannah in, in 1 Samuel, she's barren. Barren for many years. The Bible actually says year after year, year after year, she couldn't have kids. She was unable to have kids. I know that there are women in here today or watching online that are in that situation. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what that must be like. I can't imagine what that must be like to, 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 to be built for that but not be able to, to have that come to fruition. And so Hannah is troubled by this. So much so that her husband starts talking to her and saying, what, are you bothered with me? Are you frustrated with me? Am I not good enough for you? He's asking these kinds of questions. But they, again, make a spiritual decision that we're going to serve God and we're going to turn to him for help. You know, in times of trouble, where you turn for help matters. As a mom, as a parent, listen, I, 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 I'm a young parent, so I've been very careful. I try to not give much parental advice yet. I can, I, I can counsel young marriage. I can counsel. There's a lot of counseling I can do. I'm a spiritual counselor. I enjoy counseling, actually. I, I, when I became a pastor, I didn't know how much I'd enjoy that, but I actually like it. I like problem solving, and I like helping people. Um, but, but yeah, parental you know, advice, I'm going to just direct you to some books, let you make those decisions on your own. I mean, I'm not there yet. I got a five-year-old, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. But one thing that I have learned already that I've, that I've picked up on, that when we make a decision through spiritual eyes, I don't know how to explain it, but at, at two years old, three years old, and five years old, they know it. They, they somehow know it. They, they know, uh, and sometimes the decisions that we make, like, like uh, that, that are, you know what, guys, we're going to do this tonight instead of doing that, or whatever the decision might be, or, or we're going to do things this way. You know, there's been several times where, where my kids have reported something that happened at school and my wife and I jump on it quick and we say, we don't do that. We don't act that way. We've trained our kids. They have a statement. They'll finish it. We'll say, when everyone else does wrong and they'll finish the statement, we do right. I mean, of course, Josh can't really talk. So he just says, blah, 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 blah. But he can talk, but it just, it's not very enunciated yet. Um, but, but me, Madison and, and Kaylee, they, they'll repeat it. They, they know, they've learned that. When everyone else does wrong, we do right. 
because we've made decisions through spiritual eyes. These spiritual decisions. And so here we see uh, in 1 Samuel, are you there in chapter 1, verse 9? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. She prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, notice what she said, notice her prayer, notice her commitment to God. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. She was, suspe- she was specific in her prayer. A male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head, which was part of their culture at the time. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. She made a vow. She made a commitment. She made a God first decision. Everybody say God first. She made a God first decision. A decision that says, you know what? I, 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 I know... I know that I'm troubled. I know that my soul is vexed. I understand the emotions. But yet, the only one who can fix this problem is God. And so I want this so much that I'm going to give up the one thing I want back to him. Think about that. She doesn't even have her son yet. She hasn't even conceived yet. She doesn't even have him in his womb. Her, 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 talk about hormones, none of that stuff has kicked in yet. Now, all the motherly stuff, because it happens quick. I don't know if you're a parent in here, but when, I mean, man, it happens quick. I mean, week or two, those things start flowing, and you can tell your mom, none of that's happened yet, and yet she says, I will give him to you. Made a vow before the Lord. She gave up her son before she even had him. She asked God to help in a situation that she could not fix. I know this might seem like an understood statement, but I want to make it anyways. When you're in a situation that you can't fix, there's only one who can. And for all the moms out there, I I want to word this not, not just instructionally, but I want to tell you thank you. Thank you for going to God. Whether your other half does or not, whether your friends do or not, or those around you do or not, thank you for going. Thank you for going to God for help. So what happens? First Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel will grant your petition which you have asked of him. Now, for this story and the next one, I want to remind you of something that I've said uh, recently. Remember, in the Old Testament... Priests, who was Eli, and prophets and kings, that's who God would speak through. So today, you don't have to go. It's good to go to a pastor. It's good to go to those who are in authority over you. But, but they should confirm what's already in your spirit. Everybody say amen. Amen. I, I, I don't, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to lead you. He was sent to lead you and guide you into all truth, Jesus said. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. So, 
Why did she do this? Because that was, that was what they had to do at the time because Jesus had not come, all right? So if you want to apply this to your life and your situation today, you could do the same thing but allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you on the inside. And involve a pastor. Let, let, let my, I will pray and hook up my faith with you. And I've done that with several. I mean, I've seen, I've seen Pastor Steve several in, in the church growing up that were barren, could not have kids, and did. Through faith, through just like Hannah did. Don't, don't give up. Let God fix the situation. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Come on. So, coming up in verse 19. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the, or that's verse 17 that I just read. Uh, so it came to pass, verse 19, in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And uh, Elkanah, the husband, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. It says that several times in this chapter and the next. Remember, at the beginning, she felt like God had forgotten her. But again, I tell you, God has not, God knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows everything that's happening with your children. He knows everything that's happening in your marriage. God is not oblivious to what's happening in your life. He wants you to turn to him. He wants your faith to be in him. He wants your decisions to be focused on him and based around him and his things that he's put in your life. And he'll remember you. So much so, Hannah went from barren to three sons and two daughters. What a decision. What a decision. From barren to five children. God remembered Hannah. In First uh, Kings, we see our third. This widow, another widow is about to have her final meal. So there's a famine in the land, and, and you know, in those times, it's not like today where, where there's all this manufacturing of food and fake food and all this kind of stuff. If there was a famine, if there were hard times, if there was a recession, if there was an economic downturn, uh, pe- people died from starvation. This was, this was a real thing. It's, it's not like, you know, America. And so that, that's what she's living in. And she literally says, we're going to eat this last meal and die. And so God leads um, um, Elijah. He leads Elijah to the widow. He tells him, go there. There's someone who's going to provide for you. And so he goes and he finds the widow. And uh, I mean, you know, he just heard from the Lord to go there. And then she says, yeah, well, um, we're about to eat this meal and die. So... I don't know what you want me to do. And he's like, no, listen, like, you're supposed to give me some food. Like, I'm hungry. I need, I need, like, God sent me here. I need some food from you. And she's like, bro, did you not hear me? I'm about to die. Like, like me and my son, she's a, she's a mother. She said, me and my son, we've got enough for us. Are you listening, pastor? We got enough for us. We're going to eat and then we're going to die. But notice what the Lord told her. Now remember, as you read this, he's speaking, but this was God speaking through him to her. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. 
Her situation had brought on fear and brought fear into the household. The decision she was making was about to be one out of fear, but he told her, don't be afraid. Many times, you know, do not fear is the most common, uh, the most stated commandment in the Bible. And, and, and it's like uh, hundreds of times that it's mentioned, but do not fear. And then other phrases like it, like don't be afraid or live without fear and phrases like that. There are over 300 or there are 365, one for every day. Do not fear. Do not live in fear. Do not do not make decisions based on a fear. You do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. He tells her, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Then he says, again, go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake first and bring it to me. This is 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now, again, she, she, I mean, she had to be thinking, I already told him. There's not enough for me and you, bro. There's enough for me and my son. There, there is no me second. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? There's not, there, that's not possible. You're saying to go feed you first. And here comes a pastor coming to tell me, oh, well, put, put God first. Put your finances first. Oh, it got quiet in here, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I, I, I get it. I, I told y'all this is going to be a message about real life decisions that we as families and parents and mothers make. And what does she decide to do? For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry. That was what she was going to use to make the cakes. And he, he told her, if you do that, don't be afraid. First, he tells her, don't be afraid. And if you do that, if you make it for me first, who's he represent? God. Right? So, so he's the prophet. He's, he's representing God. So what he's saying is, it's not just about him as the man. It's about putting God first. If you make it for God first, then the God of Israel says, your bin of flour and your jar of oil will not run dry. Until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth, which means the famine will be over. So what did she do? I love this. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. For many days. The provision, the the decision provided provision. The decision provided provision. you're, You're looking for provision and not evaluating your decisions. But the decisions we make, notice what happened. Eight for many days, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. But, but, Pastor, you understand, it's not practical for me to do this. It's not practical for me to do X, Y, and Z. 
But God, I know you're telling me to do such and such, but it's just not practical. It's not practical to do that. The, 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 my, my priorities are, she reprioritized her last, this was the last supper, y'all. This was the last supper. And out of faith, prioritized God first. Prioritize God first. Reverse your priorities. Reverse your priorities. Make, make sure that we as parents and we, uh, those of you who are mothers, that, that your, your priorities are in line. Notice what it says here uh, uh, at the end. So she went away and did that your actions line up. Being led by the Spirit matters. The message that I started on last week and where I plan to continue next week, allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you. We don't have to, to go and, and wait for a word from the prophet today. You can hear from God every day in your car, at your job. Let Him lead you. Let Him show you. Put your priorities first and allow Him to make a difference. Again, going back to, to Ruth, not just for you, not just for your spouse, but for your kids and their kids. Because it matters. In, in, in order for their crisis to change, all three of these stories, all, all three of these scenarios, all these women had one thing in common. All three of them had to do something um, um, in, in the same fashion they had to give. And, and as mothers, again, I commend you and just um, admire your giving nature. Your giving nature. That you give. Mothers are givers. They give. They're just, it's just in their nature to give. Give, give, give. Here, I'll give you this first. I mean, going back to, I don't know why I keep using food, but my wife, she, she, if she has the last of something, or let me say it this way. If I have the last of something, I will hide it from my kids and eat it. I will. If you're a man in here, you know it. No, no there's no more. Nope, there's no more Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm-mm, they're gone. Daddy, I saw one. I will straight up lie to you, child. There's no more. Because by faith, I've already eaten it. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> but my wife, no, sir. She'll give it up. Sure, here, let me, sure, let me cut it into three so everybody gets one. I'm like, what are you doing? Just eat it. <laughs> but that's what, that's, that's, that's your, your, you're a giver. And, and I want, I want to tell you today, and this is what was on my heart, and I hope these three stories help show you that your giving goes so far in God's eyes. And when you make decisions to serve God first, and when you make decisions, you know, Matthew 6, what does it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is Luke 6, 38? And this is not about finances and giving. I know that it applies to that, but, but giving applies to everything in your life. And what does Luke 6, 38 say? Give, and it'll be given back to you. It'll be given back to you. So I want to tell you today, as a mom, your harvest is coming. Your harvest is coming. Your harvest is coming. Your, your return is coming. God sees your giving. God sees your, your uh, um, uh, blessing nature. 
and how much you give and how much you put out and how much you sacrifice and how much you show up and what you do for your children and those around you and those that aren't even your kids, those that you've taken under your wing, those that you've said, you know what, they may not be my kids, but I'm going to treat them like my kids until God gives me my own. God sees that. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. God loves you. He's for you. And I want to once again just tell you from the bottom of my heart, happy Mother's Day. Will y'all just give it up for all of our moms?